Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today we're talking about Season 6, Episode 29, Ticket to Ride. Mary, what happened this week? Brandon and Susan go halvesies on a lottery ticket. Okay, I feel like I said that weird. I want to go again. (laughs) (laughs) I heard lottery ticket and I was like... Lottery. (laughs) (laughs) Brandon and Susan go halvesies on a lottery ticket and win $5,000, but they don't cash it in right away and lose it. Susan blames Brandon while he digs through a dumpster for losing the ticket and they fight about it, but it turns out they didn't lose the ticket. So they decide to donate the money to a family in need because they would rather have each other than money. I just want to say, when Susan wants the lottery scratcher and she wants it for herself to scratch it and then Brandon takes it out of her hands and scratches it with his keys, I got so mad. Dude, I would be so annoyed. Like, I can't even handle if Nate takes one of my french fries and, like, a meal. If I was the one who said I want a scratcher and he was like, they're a waste of money. And then he still is like, oh, here, I'll scratch it. No, get me another one. (laughs) Right? All I needed was you to hand me the keys. You didn't have to take it out of my hand and do the Mm -hmm. thing. Yep. Yeah, she was very, like, easy about that. She was very much just like, oh, cool, you're scratching it. (laughs) Yeah, I would have been like, no, that was my, like, adrenaline hit. Mm -hmm. Because even the whole time he's like, okay. Okay. <laughs> like, that should be me. Yeah. And they win $5,000. Off of a, like, 50-cent scratcher. I love that Brandon's just like, we'll take that in cash, please. <laughs> yeah, and the girl's just like, wait, you seriously think I just have $5,000 on me? This is a campus store. This is, Sir, this is a Wendy's. <laughs> also fascinated by the idea that a campus store is selling scratcher tickets yeah I was thinking about that too because like um yeah so they buy it at the campus store which means they have to be certified by the state to sell lottery tickets and then number two when they do win they can't just redeem it at the campus store they have to go down to the California lottery office or whatever they called it in Van Nuys and I've I've only won something one time from a lottery ticket and I remember I bought it at a gas station I used the numbers from lost and I got $150 (laughs) but it's $150 so the gas station just gave it to me right then and there but I'm like in other states and for larger sums of money do you have to go down to a courthouse or some sort of office I think you do I think the Georgia lottery office is like in downtown Atlanta maybe I mean that would make sense I have, like, anecdotal evidence of this. Um, Michael and I watched a movie recently with Brian Cranston in it about a man who, like, finds a flaw in the lottery and just exploits it to save his town. And he makes a bunch of money and he has to go claim it all at, like, an office somewhere. Interesting. I like it. Yeah, I've only ever won, like, 20 bucks off a lottery scratcher. Yeah. But that's because I buy, like, the crossword scratchers, like, the big ones. I'm like, oh. Because it takes me, like, an hour to realize that I've lost, and therefore I am paying for the time. Sure. That makes sense. 
Yeah, and here I am, like, getting, like, the $2 scratchers, hoping to win, like, $100,000. Like, no, that's not how that works. <laughs> that's not how that works. I wish it was. If right. you're in 90210, that's how that is. Mm-hmm. I do love that the next time we see them, like, we found out they've won $5,000, which my first thought was, oh, this is how they're going to afford this fancy trip they're going on this summer. Like, this big, mm-hmm. long, three-month-long road trip where they don't have jobs. Right. But the next time you see them, they've gone to the peach pit to show off their ticket, which kind of felt like such a dick move. Well, and also I'm like, no, you don't want to brag to anyone. Like, this is like the skeptic and like the cynic in me to be like, no, don't tell anyone. They're going to want your money. (laughs) I just, I swear, Nat comes over and is like, and they say you can't buy winning tickets in Beverly Hills. And I just wanted him to be like, Beverly Hills, where you live, you upper middle class white children. (laughs) Yeah. Well, because, like, out of all of the scenes we could have possibly gotten Nadine and Willie to be in this season, I'm sure we've had others and I've just forgotten, but this one? <laughs> right? I guess it was easy. I don't know. I gotta say, I forgot who Nadine was. They were talking to her and I was like, we know someone else? Mm-hmm. Because they're the only ones I remember them referencing when, like, Thanksgiving, you know, got messed up or whatever. Well, and I think, uh, what's her name? Suzanne, Dylan's sister's mom. Like, I think Nadine came up in that storyline when she worked at the Peach Pit. That sounds right. But, you know, neither here nor there because it's literally like they walk up and they're like, oh, yeah, that's a winning lottery ticket. Here you go. I have to go back to my job. Yeah, but then, like, they're kind of arguing over who's going to claim the ticket, who's going to sign for the ticket, who's going to go cash the ticket. And Susan's just so amped up about it. She's like, well, I'll sign it, but, oh, we got it. I don't even know if I'm going to be able to study tonight because all I'm going to be doing is thinking about the lottery ticket and getting the money so we should go cash it. But Brandon's like, well, let's do it right now. And she's like, in rush hour traffic? Which, fair. That's fair. My favorite. <laughs> But she's like, no, let's do it tomorrow. And yeah. And then Brandon does make a comment. He's like, okay, well, I'll hold it until then. And so, you know, they're starting to build this whole thing up of they're each wanting a certain thing. And it's just this tiny little piece of like cardboard cardstock that all you have to do is put in your wallet. That's mm-hmm. all you have to do right now. Mm hmm. And apparently, between the pee pad and Casa Walsh, they stop and buy a bunch of travel magazines. And then they're like, oh, we're totally going to study. We're not going to stare at all these travel magazines sitting right in front of us. Which is funny to me because they have laptops when they are studying, too. And, of course, like, this is 1996, so they would need a dial-up internet connection in order to get access to the internet. But, like, my 2022 brain just, like, went, like, they're probably just looking at on, you know, Google or whatever it was <laughs> then, like, um, oh, Netscape or something, like looking at travel pictures or something. And then I'm like, no, Caitlin, this is 1996. Like, they're lucky their laptop has a word processor on it. <laughs> I just can't imagine the, like, props person and the set designer being like, laptops, essential for this scene. Yeah, exactly. No, you can just give them a textbook. They don't even have to pick it up. It could be any textbook. That's true. 
But yeah, of course, just like Susan said, she cannot focus at all on studying. She keeps talking about their plans for the summer, about, you know, doing what they want to do. And then Brandon's like, Keats, you're drifting, which I love every time he calls her Keats, do that forever. And then she's like, okay, yeah, 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 you're so, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, you're right. And then he brings it up. He brings up about like whitewater rafting and Susan's all, now who's drifting? And then, God, I'm telling you, Jason Priestley is the MVP this season. He's like, I'm not drifting, I'm rafting. Look, I'm going down the river. <laughs> he just cracks me up, man. I love it. Yeah, he's like, I'm rafting. See, down down the river. Mm-hmm. It's rafting. They're and so- they're just so cute and nerdy together. They just fit so well. I also think it's hilarious that they get distracted from studying by, like, thoughts about spending money. But then she starts kissing him and he's like, no, no, okay, we got to study now. This is serious. Yeah. Come on. Mm-hmm. At which point we find out they've lost the ticket. And they start immediately arguing about who last saw it, who last had it. And they're like, well, I signed it. And then you signed it right after me. And then you took it. And yeah, so at this point, like you're saying, we're getting like little back and forth, little storylines here, little bits and pieces of what actually happened. But we also know that as human beings, our brains are completely fallible. And we can't even remember sometimes what we had for breakfast much less where we stuck a $5,000 winning lottery ticket. Yeah. If it's not in my wallet, I have no Mm -hmm. concept of where it is. And there have been, I think like three, literally multiple times this week that John has come over to me and like put my ID down on the table and been like, I found this. (laughs) I just put it places. Not good. It's not good. It's really not. At least it's usually like still in my pants pocket. Right. But yeah, no. This is why you just leave things in your wallet and then you don't have to worry about it. Then you just have to remember where the wallet is. And I rarely lose my wallet. Yeah, same. And, you know, we don't see more of the argument. We see the start of the argument. But the next day, they start retracing their steps. So we see them at the peach pit where it becomes very clear very fast that Brandon is going to get in a dumpster and search through trash bags. Yep. And Which you is, can see the, like, look of horror on his face when Nat says, like, lunch from yesterday should be about midway down in the dumpster. And he's just like, oh. Like, it was almost like he acted like it was a horror movie. It was kind of great. I just, I can appreciate the level of effort they're putting into finding this ticket. But if somebody found a $5,000 ticket, it would not be in the trash. Oh, and, no. like. Everyone that works at the Peach Pit now knows you have a winning $5,000 lottery ticket. So if they find a lottery ticket, they are not throwing it out. Especially since it's already signed. Yeah. You wouldn't have to do anything. You just pick it up and walk away. Mm-hmm. And then they start fighting in the dumpster. <laughs> well, half in the dumpster. Brandon's in the dumpster and Susan is not in the dumpster. And that is a point of the argument. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I just, even when they're mad at each other, they're so fun to listen to because at one point Susan goes, are you calling me a liar? And Brandon just goes, no, honey, I'm calling you mistaken. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not even mad at this. Yeah. And and I love kind of like the connotation there because she's accusing him of calling her a name and he's like, well, of course I wouldn't do that. 
but I am telling you you're wrong. I'm just doing it in a nice way. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It's like even when they fight, they're not really like being mean to each other, you know? They're just. And like, I, I. They're taking it out on each other, but they're upset about the situation. I feel like you can tell because they're even like kind of trying not to fight. I feel mm-hmm. like. Because mm-hmm. Brandon gives up. He gets out of the dumpster and he walks away and Susan's standing there. And I genuinely wondered if the next time we saw them, Susan was just going to be like kind of disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Like banana peel on her shoulder kind of situation. <laughs> yeah. Like some milkshake in her hair. Like, yeah. <laughs> you could like start the scene with Brandon. He's just like, what is that smell? <laughs> yeah. Here comes Susan. She just can't get the hot dog smell out of her hair. Ugh. I know. And then they kind of disappear for a while. Yeah, we actually don't even see them until I think the fin- or second to last scene of the entire episode um, where, oh, wait, well, we see Brandon because he gets to talk to Val for a sec and we'll get to why, you know, they're commiserating, but essentially they're commiserating together, almost competing with who had the worst, um, who had the worst time the previous day. Mm-hmm. And it's revealed, you know, that Val definitely had the worst night. And so I guess that causes Brandon to, like, have a think on it and be like, okay, like, this isn't so bad. This is not a big deal. Mm-hmm. So he goes to the Condor and to see Susan. And she immediately starts to apologize. She's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Like, yeah, this is this made me crazy. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I love it that she's basically just like, there is literally, like, I don't have an excuse for how I behaved yesterday. That wasn't me. Yeah. I shouldn't have done it. I apologize. Exactly. And, and I can appreciate that. And I also appreciate that Brandon wasn't smug about the apology he wasn't like an i told you so situation he was very much like yeah we were kind of greedy you know like money turned us clearly turned us into this yeah and i really feel like brandon would have been smug about this like two girlfriends ago yeah like with lucinda absolutely oh my i forgot about lulu (laughs) well i was actually thinking about who was two girlfriends ago and all i could think of was kelly and then Lucinda. And is that right? I think so because Claire was never a girlfriend. She was just obsessed with him. Yeah. And then there was the like really tiny freshman who dated David Arquette before Brandon. Oh. And David Silver. Yeah. And David. Yeah. There Who's was. I don't remember. There was the girl wild? from New York, Robia Lamort. <laughs> Yes, and that was still even just like a fling. Mm-hmm. Why can't I remember a little tiny? I can picture her. Oh yeah, because she reminds you know who she reminds me of. Um, not that they're like they're not close in age at all, but just how tiny she was and just kind of her overall vibe very much reminded me of um, uh, Jenna Ortega. Um, she was in You. Yeah. Okay. And she's been in a few other things, too. I get that vibe from her because she's so tiny. I think she's in The Babysitter, too. Sure. (laughs) But, yeah, what's her name? I feel like I'm, I'm like, leaning towards, like, Carrie. Nope, that's not it. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm doing the alphabet. I'm, like, Abigail, Brittany. Well, now I have to find out. But, yeah, like, 
he totally would have gone full Brandon and been smug about this so long ago. Um, mm-hmm. But clearly he and Susan have just a different kind of relationship, even to the point where like Brandon's like, yeah, I'd rather lose five grand than lose you over it, which is so great. Of co- like, that's great to, to know. Carla Car- with a K. Wait, Carla with a K? Wait. I think no. that was a different No, spell. that was season one. My bad. I thought I found her. <laughs> Shit. She better be on this list. We need a run yeah, we need a running list of Brandon's girlfriends so we can give respect to their names. And like oh my god, remember girlfriend. Trisha the figure skater? Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, the one that got away from senior <laughs> breakfast. <laughs> I cannot believe the love of his high school life was not Emily Valentine, especially when she showed up like a season later. Right? Brandon. Okay, was it Nikki? Yes, it was okay. Nikki. It was. Yeah, we need we need to recreate a running list of Brandon's girlfriends for our own reference. We should probably just have a list of like everybody and then just start like connecting the dots of who's dated who else at the same just like make a murder board but for relationships. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so you know, it's it's just a good sign of growth as we've we've all talked about about bruising. Um and yeah, they decide to do something charitable with this money instead of using it for their trip which now i'm still like that's really nice of you and really sweet but also how are you going to pay for this trip um and going on the trip they have to go on this trip because if they don't go on the trip i we all know that means bad (laughs) they're not going on the trip they can't afford it they don't have jobs yeah this is true this is true i mean they work for the newspaper but i think brandon makes like 50 bucks a week like yeah he doesn't have money But I do love that they decide to do this. Like, Brandon brings it up. You know, Susan's like, the money made me crazy. He says, I agree. We shouldn't have acted like that, and I don't think we should have it. And Susan's immediately like, on board. Let's go cash it and give the money away. Yeah, for sure. And then they say, I love you to each other, which you literally just commented on last episode. And I was just like, oh, my God. It did make me feel better. And actually, now that you say that, I remember one other couple in this episode who says I love you, or at least one half of one couple who does it too. But yeah, like, ah, oh, bruising. <laughs> I don't care what anybody thinks. I swoon for them, and I will always swoon for them. I know. Like, talk about the one that got away. It's going to be Susan in my mind. Mm-hmm. And that's it. They won $5,000, lost $5,000 found $5,000 and gave $5,000 away. Yep. But most importantly, it was about the friendships they made along the way. (laughs) The experience of getting to dumpster dive. (laughs) Mary, what else happened this week? David and Donna do some more work with industry guy and get invited to a party for business. David and Donna mingle with potentially important career connections and joe is recognized as the cu quarterback twice between that and the fact that he isn't performing as well as he used to joe starts to think he doesn't want to play football anymore also industry guy points out to david that donna is attractive david agrees this storyline used some weird speed ups and slowdowns in the camera did you notice oh absolutely i noticed (laughs) 
that's like that and Donna's braids are the biggest takeaway I had from this storyline. Well, that and how easy it's been for Donna and David to like get in the industry. It's, and like they're already like at a party where every record executive in Los Angeles goes to and is there. <laughs> yeah. They made one music video using yeah. like rented equipment over one weekend starring themselves. Well, I'll say the MVP of the storyline then is Eric because that dude is like talking them up big time for them to be invited then he talks them up in front of another record person. Yeah, so Eric is definitely, they need to be thanking him big time because that's a good network right there. I'm so glad you used his name because I called him record label guy in my notes. <laughs> like knowing that took so much more to write out, I still didn't look up his name. Well, to be fair, in the subtitles, it was spelled E-R-I-K, and so I just couldn't unsee that, <laughs> so it just, like, etched itself in my brain. <laughs> That's fair. I can appreciate that. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, that guy is working. He sent them a ton of CDs to listen to so that presumably they can pick who they're going to record another video for. Yeah, I'm assuming, like, from a creative perspective, well... It's probably twofold. Eric doesn't want to listen to all of these CDs. He wants to pawn mm. it off to David and Donna. He sort of trusts at least their instincts because he liked the music video so much. And he's still going to have creative collaboration with them on it. So he'd probably still have veto power. I guess that's fair. It's, yeah, later in the episode, they talk about like a reggae thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what did y'all pick? Please, I'm so please curious. I can't wait. That's going to be so <laughs> weird. Um, but yeah, so they like you can see in this scene because it's it's basically the like almost the opening scene. It's after the opening credits, at least, where Donna and David are very much vibing right now. Like they're on the same page. They're almost like not reading each other's thoughts like that to that extreme, but. You know, they're talking about what they want to do. Dave was like, I thought I could take half. You could take half. And Donna's like, oh, you read my mind. Or like, I thought the same thing or something like that. And you can tell they're very in a very, very good place right now. Yeah. And they're also a little physically close. Like, mm -hmm. I think Donna is still just like being Donna, but she got a little close. Oh, yeah. And of course, like all of a sudden, Joe pops up by throwing a book at David and he kind of feels like a third wheel mm -hmm. in this scene. So he throws the book at David and asks about an exam, but then immediately after says that he's done with exams. So did he just read the book for the fun of it? Like, I'm very curious. Oh, I didn't even notice that, but that is actually hilarious. <laughs> he's like, no, I'm done with exams. I just read a book and now I'm going to go work on my 40 time. And it was like a textbook book. It wasn't like, you know, I'm trying to think of like Jurassic Park. I don't know if it was written back then. <laughs> Jurassic Park. <laughs> English 101, Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but could you imagine like taking a sci-fi class in college that has you reading books like Jurassic Park? Because I'd be into that. I mean, I did take a class in college called Detective Fiction and – because I thought it was going to be super cool, and I would just get to read a whole bunch of mysteries. I did. I did get to read a whole bunch of mysteries, but I had to write stupid papers about them, and it was the only class in college I got a C in. 
So, yeah, I thought I was taking it for fun. <laughs> oh, yeah, that would have been one that I like dropped before ad drop ended. You're like, I'm just, I'll figure it out later. You know, I'm a rule follower. It just didn't compute. I couldn't do it. I dropped so many classes. I was taking for like a month and be like, mm, this is not going to go well. Not feeling this. The idea that I graduated college sometimes blows my mind. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, so apparently either Joe is reading textbooks for fun or finished with exams or all of the above. He also has summer drills tomorrow morning. So he's finally joining the football team again, but he mm -hmm. has to... I guess, work on his fitness. You know, presumably he probably hasn't been doing a whole lot of training thus far just because not only his heart surgery, but I imagine there's a pretty extensive recovery time period for that. So, yeah, he's got to get his 40 time up to speed. Donna wants to go with him to cheer him on, which is very cute because Donna is ever the supportive girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And Joe's all hard eyes with it. Like they seem totally over the whole jealousy thing from last week. I know, because he's like, oh, I need some motivation. And then she kisses him, and he's like, I'm going to need some more motivation. Mm-hmm. They're adorable. Mm-hmm. Weird, but adorable. <laughs> well, you know, he's a square root of square or something like that. <laughs> square root of one. And she's like, yeah, you are. And I rewound it because I was like, I must have misheard that. That means nothing. <laughs> but they're playing board games that night. Okay. I feel like this show has – taken some liberties with call forwarding <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned that because Donna gets a call from <laughs> David at the record company at Joe's room and it's she's just like oh my god it's a conference call <laughs> I wanted so badly which maybe this is like wasn't the time yet but I wanted them so badly to do that what what no, you go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Like, <laughs> I'm glad it didn't happen, but I also kind of wanted it. <laughs> oh, that would have been so great. But yeah, how is the record company calling Joe's dorm room? I mean, yeah, it has to be like the call forwarding, but I got to be honest. I don't recall my parents ever doing that. My best guess is that the 90210 gang is just so important they can't be without access to their own phone number. Like people talk about how millennials and the youth of today can't get off our cell phones. And if this is truth, then that's bullshit. Ha! Gotcha. <laughs> we got you guys. We finally have evidence. Because <laughs> like, I don't know. I just always assumed that if Donna's going over to Joe's, she would leave a note and be like, I'm at Joe's. If you need me, 555-0123. Right. Or... If she was expecting a call from the record company, she would stay home and have Joe come to her apartment. Exactly. Also, what time of day is this that David is at a conference call with the record label? I assume this was evening. Same. And I was like, this is already a bad sign. There's no work-life balance. Well, I got to be real. Like, as geriatric millennials, though we are, I still would love to know if you guys out there listening, how did you guys handle call forwarding? And is this is there accuracy to this? Because, I don't know, we were wee lasses whenever we used, like, landlines and used them in a, like, three-way call. Like, we were very big proponents of the three-way call, right? A la Mean Girls. But before that, because, like, you know, we were, like, 13 when that movie came out. Ugh. 
And yeah, I'm just really curious, like if you went to a friend's house or your boyfriend's place or if you were in college, especially around this time, was this accurate? Please tell us. What about beepers? Oh, wish I had had a beeper. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm just, yeah, I'm so fascinated by this whole process. Like, yeah, Joe just hands over the phone and I feel like they shouldn't have even been hanging out tonight because Donna's had headphones in the whole time. I'm like, why aren't you playing this on his stereo? You don't have to play it loud. You don't have to disrupt his, you know, dorm mates. You can just yeah. have it on and hang out. Agreed. Or, yeah, that that was kind of weird that she was, like, listening to the CDs with her headphones in. But playing, what game was that? Oh, I, I, I actually have no idea. <laughs> cool. Another game. Uh, God, this is really showing our age, guys. <laughs> this episode. Um, but okay, yeah. yeah. It is backgammon. You're right. Okay. But yeah, Damn. it's like, why were you playing a game if you were going to be having headphones in the whole time? Like, God, can you imagine if Michael, John, or Nate were playing a game with us and they had headphones in? Like, I was no. Like- <laughs> Like, I feel like John and I have to have very clear expectations when we sit down and play a game. Like, if the TV's on, we're playing, like, a game that you can pick up and put down. Yeah. But if we're going to try and pick anything up that requires, like, concentration, the TV is off and we put on mood music. Yes. 100%. Together. Not in our own headphones. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah. So, like, she gets this call. It's Eric. They are getting invited to some big party. John is just sitting, John, Joe is just (laughs) sitting there completely nonplussed, like just so bored looking. And Donna says she has to go to the party because she thinks it'll help them, you know, get connections and contacts and things like that. And you can kind of tell Joe is like trying to be supportive, but he's also trying very hard not to be upset about this. Mm -hmm. And the only reason I can think he's still upset is perhaps because he was just so recently jealous you know Mm -hmm. so perhaps it's the whole hanging out with david but as we recall he doesn't really like any of this music that donna's really doing so it's probably that too yeah i definitely got jealous out of this and i think some of it you know comes up later when he has his whole crisis of career Mm -hmm. but at this moment yeah i was like oh she's making plans to go to a party tomorrow with David for a world that he doesn't fit into, that he doesn't really want to be into. And he's going to feel left out. Like he's yeah. jealous and he's trying not to. I feel like he's trying not to. Cause he even says like, no, no, let's stop playing the game. Like you have stuff to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's trying to be supportive. Just like Donna is trying to be supportive of him getting back on the football field. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the next morning, is when he's practicing his 40 and they totally speed up him running. That was hilarious. Oh I don't gosh. know why they had to do it. She just would tell you how fast he ran. You didn't have to prove it to me. I know. That was awesome. I loved it. <laughs> we found out recently that Clarissa Explains It All is on Paramount Plus. So John's been watching it. And it's that nice. same thing where like they speed her up doing stuff oh, through yeah. the episodes. And that's all I could think of was like, this is farcical. Like, hmm we don't need to be doing this. But he runs a 4.8, but he used to run a 4.6, so he's not happy. Which, as an athlete, I'm not an athlete, but at, like, as athletes, 
don't know, whatever. At, to an athlete, there we go. They would think that's pretty significant, right? Especially mm-hmm. if not too long ago is when you ran that shaved off 40 time. And, you know, with speed, it's not necessarily something you can improve on quickly, right? Like it mm-hmm. takes time. You got to like, there's certain form when you run, there's just all sorts of stuff that goes into it. And so the fact that Joe has to get there very soon is probably also very, you know, frustrating for him. Yeah. Well, and Donna tries to be like, look, you did it before. You can do it again. Like, this is going to be great. You're going to be fine. And he immediately snaps at her. It's like, you don't have to always be my cheerleader. And then realizes what he did and apologizes. And I feel like this is becoming a pattern now that Joe says something and then has to apologize for it. And I swear to God, when they go to hug, you see Donna doing the Donna face where things aren't okay, but she's going to pretend they are so that she doesn't cause problems. Well, and unfortunately, like, that's a good point about Donna's face because, like, unfortunately, that face happened very often with Ray. Yeah. That was what made me think of it. I was like, I've seen this face before and it's coming back. Mm -hmm. And I don't. Like, I mean, even the way that they interact at the party later. Yeah, because, yeah, that's the next scene we see them is they're at the party. Um, they That's when they talk to Eric. Um, another person comes up immediately who's another, like, record executive or something and actually recognizes Joe because he's the CU quarterback. She says, like, she's his biggest fan. She never misses a game, blah, blah, blah. This is when Eric really talks up Donna and David and, and tries to, like, get them to talk to more people. Um, but continuing on at the club, like, yeah, you can tell, like, for Joe, this isn't really his scene at all, but Mm -hmm. he does want Donna to stay. Like, this is, again, kind of more of that flip-flop back and forth of Joe trying to be supportive, but not really liking this. This isn't his scene, but he wants it to be Donna's because, you know, she fits in here. Mm -hmm. And this is when he's like, I'm the square root of one. What can I say? And Donna does say she loves him. She's like, this is why I love you. And he does not say it back. But then she does a thing that feels very Ray to me that she's like, okay, well, we'll leave after this next song and then just like focuses all of her attention on him. Literally, like she's cradling his head in her hand mm-hmm. like all up close of like, you're what I'm here for, this, this, and this. Meanwhile, Eric and David are on the other side of the room being like, isn't she pretty? And they slow-mo David. I know. First he says, yeah, she really is. And then they slow-mo him, like, turning and looking at her and, like, smiling with hard eyes. And it's like, no, we don't need that. We, <laughs> we don't have two need it. Of B-roll in every episode. We don't need anything slowed down. <laughs> I know. I'm like, just show him looking. Or, like, yeah. I don't know. It's weird to me that he makes that smiley face while she's just, like, all up on some other guy. It, it was it hit a little weird yeah because she almost yeah. had like a sultry look on her face like she was enjoying that hug and like putting her fingers through his hair a little too much like what was right. he doing <laughs> right like we know donna where are your hands sir we know you guys aren't doing it but you might be doing other stuff there's yeah. like a joke <laughs> it's just made me think of a joke uh from taylor tomlinson where like and she in high school was you know, she wasn't like sleeping around or anything and her friends were and because she was very religious when she grew up and she 
and at, back then was like, I'm not going to have sex until I get married. And so she has this joke where she's like, but, you know, in high school, my friends were having sex and I was having orgasms. And I just think that's hilarious. And it makes me think of Donna because she may not be having sex, but I guarantee you she's having orgasms. <laughs> Absolutely. I love that so journey. Joe, wear your hands. <laughs> hands where I can see them, buddy. <laughs> Leave room for Jesus, Joe. That's right. <laughs> it is interesting, though, because it does seem like they actually, like, at some point in this night, they split up because the last time we see them, they're on campus together, and Donna basically walks up and is like, oh, hey, how was your workout? And I just, like, I feel like that's my love language right now is just, like, talking about workouts with people. Mm-hmm. Like, every time you text me that you've gotten a PR or, like, John comes in and is like, I PR'd a new weight today. I'm just like, oh, my God. I'm so proud of all of you. I love you so much. <laughs> yeah. Well, you react much better than Nate does, so I appreciate it. <laughs> this is now when Joe's starting to have, like, an existential crisis about being a football player. And I do actually feel like this is kind of right for Joe because he's mm-hmm. had the medical things that he's had and – now he's being recognized in a scene that he doesn't belong in or he doesn't feel he belongs in for the only thing and the only time and place where he does feel like he belongs. So he's kind of like, I don't want to have to think about what my 40 time is. Like, that's not going to get me anywhere. I don't want that to be the only thing I do in my life. So what would Mm -hmm. it be like if I wasn't a quarterback? I feel like I owe it to myself to explore that. And I do too. I mean, yeah. We see that so hap- so often happen with athletes where, you know, they might leave early from school and declare for the NFL draft or the NBA draft or whatever. For whatever reason, they end up not getting drafted. So it's like, what do you do? Do you keep trying to work at this thing that you've dedicated pretty much your entire life to? Or do you have to almost start over and figure out what you're going to do with your life? Mm-hmm. No, I mean, who was the quarterback? That he met at Thanksgiving last year? Was it Steve last Young. year? Yeah, Steve Young. I was going to say Joe Young, but that's the mighty Joe Young, the movie about the <laughs> gorilla. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. But, like, it feels like this last year is really getting to Joe. And, like, you know, it's been a lot of heavy stuff, but maybe it's not the worst thing in the world to happen that he met this guy who was like, hey, think about this. And then his heart condition happened. Mm-hmm. And – yeah, now he's seeing Donna enter this world that I don't think, you know, anyone really expected Donna to get into. And he's like, oh, well, maybe, you know, I could have the unexpected. Mm-hmm. I did appreciate Donna when he's like, I don't know if I always want to be known as a quarterback. And Donna was like, well, it's a high profile position. Like, yeah, it kind of comes with the territory. It does. And I do appreciate Donna at least being like, almost trying to validate like, you are important, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, because like arguably the quarterback is the most important position on a football team. You don't have a good quarterback. You don't have a good team. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate that. And she's always been supportive of him playing football and all that too. She just never knew that he was even thinking about doing anything other than football. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, kind of a loose thread, really close to the end of the season where Joe may or may not come back next season Mm -hmm. about what this boy is planning to do. And we know he 
took his grad school exams. He took his GREs. He's finished his finals for the semester. He's yep. not sure he wants to be a quarterback. Mm-hmm. There's a lot going on here. All right, Mary. What else happened this week? Claire tells Steve not to invest too much into his friendship with Prince Carl, but Steve is convinced they're BFFs. Steve says some dumb shit about having more wild oats to sow. Unrelated to that, he slips on a sock and falls down the... Oh my god, I can't read. <laughs> it's okay. okay. It's a very like confusing storyline. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's dumb is what it is. <laughs> Steve says some dumb shit about having more wild oats to sow. Unrelated to that, he slips on a sock and falls down the Casa Walsh tile stairs and breaks his jaw. Also, Prince Carl is totally out to steal Claire, right? Totally out to steal Claire. There is no doubt in my mind. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we could have seen this coming from like a mile away. We could have seen this coming the second she said a prince was showing up. Like, I swear this is a trope. Yeah, this is a Hallmark movie, but in TV form. It's so dumb. Like, I really don't have much to say beyond the stupid stuff that Steve says. Yeah, I think, you know, it. I guess it makes sense to start just at the racquetball court. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because, yeah, Steve and Carl are bonding, playing racquetball. Steve wins. And they kind of talk about Steve and Claire's relationship. And the fact that, like, Steve is being a little bit self-deprecating here where he's like, you know, I'm surprised that, you know, she even picked me in the first place. I think he says, like, I'm – what does he call himself? She says – he says, you're talking about the world's worst judge of character. I mean, come on. She's with me. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like Carl is probably thinking, like, okay, cool, Steve seems nice. Maybe he's not such a great guy or something. You know, he's looking for an angle here. Mm-hmm. and. Steve goes on to say, like, they fit together in whatever weird way, you know, they do. Like, she's really smart. She's really funny. She and he, sorry, he enjoys that about her. But then he also says that she has no common sense, which I was like, never got that vibe from Claire. Not even a little bit. I think the most important thing I got out of this scene was when, like, right after that, Carl's like, oh, so it's serious. Yeah, And Steve is like, oh, I don't know if it's serious, but you can see that look on his face that he's like, it might be serious. I'm just Mm -hmm. like showing off to my friends because he says he's not even 21. He still has wild, horny, hormonal oats to sow. Which like that's a very Steve thing to say. It's such a Steve. (laughs) That actually took me a lot of effort to say. (laughs) It's just hard. Well, yeah. And this is like the classic like, boys don't want to talk about their true feelings in front of other boys kind of situation Mm -hmm. too whereas I feel like Steve if this had been Brandon asking Steve would have been like totally truthful right like that he does find like view this relationship as serious and even though he's only 21 like he hasn't felt this way before or something like that yeah but Steve wants to show off to Carl because Carl's brand new and he's impressed by him exactly but Claire keeps saying like she's not impressed by him and that he's just putting on this act to make Steve like him and that Steve is going to get hurt. I'm just Mm -hmm. like, oh, really, Claire? Steve's going to get hurt at the end of this? Right? And like even to the point where he's – Claire's like, well, you know the cufflinks he gave you? Like 
he just those are gumdrops to him like that's like not a big deal whatever he just does that to people to keep them close and steve's like yeah but i love these cufflinks like he doesn't say that but he does you know like (laughs) he like doesn't care he's like have you seen them they're royal (laughs) i know he's like you don't 24 karat gumdrops don't exist and she's like he's rich and he's like well i like them anyway and clap like claps the cufflink box together which is great i swear he just sits in his room and claps the cufflink box he's like (laughs) now you see them they're mine it's like how people do with like Zippo lighters, like they just fling <laughs> and then fling. <laughs> like they just like to hear the noise. That's his thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's a bunch of like little scenes of just Steve and Carl browing out and Claire being like, this is a bad idea. You're not going to like this isn't going to end well because the next scene you see Carl and Steve both realize they've played golf with Barry Bonds. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think they just wanted to do that and be like, hey, remember the time Barry Bonds was on our show? <laughs> yeah, exactly. For sure. And I'm pretty sure the first time that Carl says Montmartre, it was dubbed. <laughs> I had to t- double check, but like, I think he did ADR on that. Because Interesting. You could see him from the side slash back of his face. So, but all of a sudden it was like Montmartre was in kind of a different like cut. <laughs> than the rest of the sentence and I was like what so I kind of think it was ADR which is hilarious that's fast like he just couldn't get it on yeah. the day like he kept, he kept flipping saying, or something he kept like doing a hard tea like Montmartre yeah or something who knows um, but yeah Carl like orders Claire this giant chocolate swan she's never she, gonna eat that well and she keeps like licking the chocolate off with her pinky I hated it so much because she stuck the pinky in her mouth and goes, it's almost as good as sex. Steve was like, honey. (laughs) Which he's totally not picking up what she's actually throwing down. Mm -mm. And then for some reason, Prince Carl is like, I had a really boring 21st birthday because I'm a royal. So I'm going to throw you the 21st birthday that I wanted. Mm Mm-hmm. And again, it like feels very much like Carl just buttering Steve up, making him mm-hmm. like keeping him close, like all that kind of stuff for some reason. Yeah. Cause even after dinner, he's like, Oh yeah, let's go to a gentleman's club. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Steve tells Claire that she can drive his car, which never happened before. And Claire warns him, like, you can't get out of jail because he can get out of jail. Just be careful of that, which I really hoped was going to be foreshadowing. Me too. I kind of wanted that to happen just because I think I think Steve would have been funny in that situation. Right. And then like a couple of scenes later is the club with Donna and David. And I hadn't really been like paying attention to the jumps. I was a little confused if that had been the timing. But seeing a club, I was like, oh, they went to a club. That makes Me sense. Too. I totally thought the same thing. Or – that they were using the same club to like limit the amount of sets that they had to, or like locations they had to go to. Yeah. But instead we cut away. We don't see that anymore. And we jump to like the next day where they're supposed to go do more stuff together. And Carl brings Claire. It drives me nuts. They're Claire and Carl. I hate it. (laughs) I hate it so much. Carl just needs an E at the end of his name. To be like an anagram of each other's name. Well, and I've been watching The Walking Dead, so I just keep wanting to be like, Coral. Coral. (laughs) 
Prince Coral. Prince Coral. Shows up at the beach apartment with a string of pearls. And I got to say, when he apologizes for putting spiders in her sandwich, I was like, no, I would not forgive you for that. I'm pretty sure I got the shivers when he said that. And Claire was like, you put spiders in my sandwich? Yeah. No, I would have kicked him out of my house. <laughs> yeah. It's going to take a lot I'm- more than pearls, buddy. She had the most perfect lime green nail polish on in this scene. Did you see it? I didn't notice. It inspired me. If I could get to my nail polish today, which I cannot, <laughs> I would have painted my nails lime green in honor for her, of her. That's awesome. I actually don't think I have that color, but I would buy it just for her. It just makes me think also of like in high school when like painting your nails neon colors were was really popular. Like I went through – all the highlighter colors like on my toes on my fingers and then I stopped doing my fingers because I was always playing sports and chipped them very easily toes were safe but still highlighter colors were the move back then yeah I have like bubblegum pink on my toes right now mm-hmm. Harry, Every time do you I remember my... sorry do you remember no, the ahead. uh the black light nail polish from Hot Topic oh my That's god amazing. I remember that my Catholic middle school wouldn't let you wear non-neutral nail polish. And I showed up with black nail polish once and I was 11. So I was still (laughs) not a badass in any way, shape or form. So I just like, I had this black nail polish on. I don't know. I guess I thought nobody would notice. And my teacher was like, if that's not on your nails by the end of class, I won't give you a uniform infraction. And I spent entire class picking nail polish off (gasps) of my nails. Oh my God. I felt so bad. That Catholic guilt. Am I right? (laughs) Meanwhile, like two years later, it's like, give me a uniform infraction. I dare you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I just think every time that Katie and I, my friend Katie and I go to get our nails done together, we like, you know, pick some of the worst colors that we don't actually end up putting on our toes. But like, I almost did a lime green or like a highlighter yellow last time. Just... To be funny, I didn't, but I could have. And we joke every time. So one of these days, I'm actually going to do it. I, I didn't buy it when they came out, but uh, I think it was Sally Henson and their like quick dry did Peeps colors <gasps> for Easter. Wow. Yeah. There is an aisle at my CVS. I don't know if – I assume it's at all CVSs, but at my CVS, there's just an aisle where I have found the weirdest stuff and I buy it all the time. <laughs> That's like the like random aisle in um in Lidl. They have one of those random aisles too. Yeah. It was just like I got Pepto-Bismol and Mentos colored nail polishes. Like literally it is Mentos branded nail polish. It's like Birdie Bot's Every Flavor nail polish. <laughs> that's, that's where I got my SpongeBob and Patrick makeup sponges. Nice. Anyway, this is when Steve falls down the stairs. And pirouettes down the stairs. He does something down the stairs. Like, doesn't catch his balance down the stairs. It was very, like, you know, falling down that, like, tile, clay tile staircase would hurt. No doubt. But it very much felt like they couldn't get, like, stunt coordinators or, like, any sort of clearance to do anything. So they were like, spin around and then we'll cut away. Yeah. And even, like, because... He made a concerted effort to, like, hit his jaw on Mm -hmm. the floor. But, like, 
you could tell he like landed and then raised his head up and then kind of knocked it down just because yeah. obviously you're not going to have your actor like hit it with any kind of force behind it right yeah and we come to find out he has very much injured himself and can only eat through a straw to the point yeah where his jaw is like wired shut which i don't know mary if you've gotten there yet but there's a season of gray's anatomy where meredith has to have her jaw wired shut and like with steve clearly they did not wire his jaw shut nor they did they try to make it look like they did but with ellen pompeo they made it like she looks like jaws from james bond it is that's, kind of terrifying. That's wild. Oh, my goodness. I forget what season. It's like season... 25? 77? 50? <laughs> yeah. Oh I think goodness. it's like seriously like season 15. That may have been the last season I watched. I'm going to like image search it right now. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't remember how she how it happens. So maybe I didn't actually watch it. Maybe I just saw like promo pictures or like flipped it on or something at one point. But yeah, and it was like creepy as hell. What I want to know is how quickly is Steve's jaw going to become unwired because he's supposed to have a 21st birthday party? <laughs> like yeah, very I soon. I don't think that party's going to happen. <laughs> right? Like, did they just say like, I want to throw you a party. Then he breaks his jaw and instead for his birthday, Prince Carl steals his girlfriend. <laughs> Mr. Steal your girl just... Got to get that jaw wired up first, then it's all going Carl's way. <laughs> this is my moment. <laughs> yeah. All of the pieces are falling into place. We find out that Carl is actually like Tara in a wig. Oh, Lord. <laughs> or like their brother and sister. We can't do these takes anymore. <laughs> we can't. The internet has called us out. <laughs> yeah. We're not serious about these takes. BT dubs, if you didn't know. I'm so serious. <laughs> I won't stop. I refuse to stop in all reality. <laughs> but oh, like, gosh. What I, to be fair, it's a 21st birthday, and if Steve can drink through a straw, he can get drunk on his 21st birthday, as long as it's he's true. not on, like, blood thinners and painkillers and stuff. Exactly. It depends on his medication, but yeah, as long as he can, he's medically cleared, he could have a mixed drink or two. Just two? He could get some, um, he could keep his alcohol stream flowing. He could do the beer can hat. Oh my God. Months would totally make him something. Oh, months would absolutely. He'd do the, the thing I sent y'all last time that was the fanny pack, but a six pack of beers. Oh my God. Yes. He and could they're do all that. different drinks with different straws. So he can just be like this one and this one. I mean, but let's be real. He's already like made something really efficient do his little like squirt gun thing that he had in palm springs the like exterminator pump yeah. the backpack <laughs> god i hope that thing makes another appearance that was just an experience it was basically like a camel back but instead of like having to suck on it you could just like spray it but yeah so uh steve's 21st birthday is coming up which i think we've also talked very recently about how the gang must all be 21 by now and we missed it and mm -hmm. I guess it's just that Brandon doesn't get a birthday. Yeah, because Kelly got one earlier in the year. Donna's is always on Christmas. And we Joe know she got a birthday. I'm pretty sure we saw Donna's 21st birthday. Like yeah, very Dan specifically. Bird. Yeah. Yeah. And then now Steve, David's 
too young. Claire's too young. No one's giving Val a birthday party, but that's because <laughs> they all hate her. Yeah, true. We love Brandon. We just don't care. Yeah, maybe he doesn't care because it, it might involve dancing. Mm, that's fair. Well, that's why you catered the birthday to the boy. Well, true. True, true. But yeah, anyway. Mary, you want to tell us what else happened this week? Kelly moves back to the beach house after staying with Jackie for a little while, and she's been getting weird phone calls lately, and it's Colin at the other end of the line. Speaking of Colin, his it's his last night of freedom before he turns himself in to go to prison. Val thinks nothing of it when he says, I've been thinking about running away to Mexico. He also confides in her that he's worried two years in prison will make him forget outside life's details such as the beach and strawberries. Anyway, Val and Colin have a quick bang before a late dinner, but not before Kelly calls to try and say goodbye. Val decides to let Colin drive himself to jail and is understandably more than a little worried when he takes such a long time parking the car. The bail bondsman and Colin's lawyer kindly point out that she'll be in a real pickle if she can't find him. Uh, Colin pops by the beach house to wait for Kelly to come home like a fucking creep and tells her he ran away and doesn't know what to do. She tells him that sounds like a him problem. (laughs) Kelly also hopes he runs very, very far away and for a very long time because she likes the idea of Val losing everything. Kelly is a bitch at the end of this episode. Oh, yeah. Like, she went full, like, jerk at the very end. I feel like she was like, oh, you want a taste of your own medicine, Val? Here you go. And then was like, oh, no. Way Mm -hmm. too big. Mm Mm-hmm. It's like, okay. I feel like we just got to touch on, like, every single story beat because – Like, Val and Colin, when they're packing up his place at the beginning, and he's like, just throw away all my clothes. They're going to be out of style. And then Val starts crying, I guess. Mm -hmm. It wasn't the most believable, in my opinion. But Colin is being the stronger one here. And I was like, there's no way that this boy matured overnight. Yeah, it's like he's suddenly very accepting of his prison time coming. Mm -hmm. And... Maybe it's just, like, he started to become a little numb to the situation. Like, because I agree. I don't think he just, like, matured. I think he's just, like, almost, like, numbed. Okay. That's fair. I definitely, I was, like, something is up here because this is not how this boy acts. Well, and maybe, like, because Val's been so strong, he didn't feel like he needed to be strong for her. So Mm -hmm. when she finally did break down, he maybe he was like, oh, shit, I got to be strong now. I don't know. I mean, like, probably a little bit human nature to to do that. I I know for me, like, you know, with me and Nate, when he is like suffering from some anxiety, like I'm usually the one that kind of puts it all together, like is, is still kind of the strong one. But then because I don't get anxious like he does or at least have similar episodes, when I do he almost doesn't know what to do. You know, he, he, mm-hmm. he doesn't exactly know how to handle the situation. And that, because he doesn't, I almost like snap back. Like it's a weird thing that my brain and body do. So I'm almost wondering if Colin is experiencing something too, where it's just like, it's a reaction to Valerie breaking down. 
Yeah, I that's probably what they were going for, but I also just don't like Colin and I don't believe <laughs> well, that he'd be able to do this. No, for sure, for sure. I mean, yeah, like he he does a lot of interesting things this episode, including calling Kelly over and over and hanging up. Like presumably I don't think he knows about the terror situation. Like we don't know who all knows what just happened to Kelly. Yeah, they're never really clear about who hears things unless it's like, you know, Val coming over at the end and being like, I assume you heard. Right. Or Donna saying, Dave, yeah, David or Kelly saying, David told me it's Colin's last day or something. Which is hilarious. How did David find out? Valerie? Why are Valerie and David talking? I don't know. Eh, P-pad? That's all I got. Yeah. Because Colin is just calling Kelly's number not speaking and then hanging up the phone. And I tried to figure out when Star 69 came around because I was like, I don't understand why she's not just figuring out who's calling her. Mm -hmm. And again, with the call forwarding, that it's just going to Jackie's house, Jackie's new house, like Mm -hmm. not even the house that Kelly grew up in. And just they're just casual about this, even though someone just stalked and tried to murder Kelly. I know. It was a little – because that's why I think Colin doesn't know. Again, I just think Colin doesn't care. Well, that could be true, too. Yeah. And, I mean, there's there's other little things. We find out that Kelly has been staying with Jackie since someone tried to murder her in her own house. Mm-hmm. Like, they got to move. <laughs> yeah. There's how like many times things. Like, why are they still in Hawkins? Yeah. Like, how many times are you going to change the locks on this apartment because of – that guy that broke in and attacked Donna, Ray, Tara, et cetera. Yeah, like, Colin, yeah. Yeah. You got to move. I don't care if it's great real estate. Yeah. And so, it, yeah, it like visibly upsets Kelly. Like she's clearly nervous and scared about it, but it just keeps happening. And so we finally get on Colin's end of the phone and like Val's come back in with food And now all of a sudden Colin is freaking out. Like he hasn't been able to like speak into the phone when he's calling Kelly. He's thinking too many weird things. Like Mary said, like thinking about running, Mm -hmm. but saying he won't thinking he's going to forget what strawberries taste like thinking what the beach feels like or looks like. And then how Val feels against him. Like he actually cares about Val. I just, why would you tell the person that has fronted, you know, put herself at risk of losing a hundred thousand dollars. If you run that you're thinking of running. I know. Like, this is why I think he just doesn't care. Like, he is not considering the fact that he would be screwing her over. He just, he's got his thing and he cares so much about strawberries and the beach. And, like, I get it. I do get it. But at the same time, you did it to yourself. And I think the challenge for me is just, like, Obviously, it would, it would be terrible to go to jail and terrible to mm-hmm. go to prison. And of course, you would be thinking very similar thoughts. I think the challenge for me is just understanding the thought of running. Um, I mean, clearly, you know, he he has that like flight thought in his head because he already did it, right? Like he mm-hmm. did it and got caught. So for me, I'm like, why are you seriously considering doing this again? You're just going to get caught again. You're already technically a flight risk. So... I think that's just what why I'm like you know a couple reasons why I don't like Colin, but I also just don't have a ton of empathy for him too because I feel like it's just not I don't know it's just it's not landing 
so much. No, and I also – now I'm kind of getting the feeling that he brought it up to Val on the off chance that she'd be like, yeah, okay, here's more money. Mm-hmm. I'll cover for you. Because, you know, sure. she has the money. Right, right? Like, what else does she have? All she has at this point is her car. Yeah, she has nothing. Mm-hmm. She doesn't even have Colin because, like, he's clearly calling Kelly all the time. Yep. And speaking of, like, uh, we move away from the loft and Kelly is back at the apartment um, she asked Donna if she's seen Valor Colin because she heard about, you know, Colin going to jail tomorrow. She even like reminisces a little bit like, how did we get here from on that plane when we were so happy when we came back here? Donna's like, you want me to remind you? And she's like, no, nah, I'm good. And <laughs> <laughs> so then she states that she does want to call Colin and say goodbye. And I think in this moment, it's like really important that Donna was like, you should. Like, she very much supported Kelly in this, but was also like, but make sure you close the book on that. Like, make sure this is the final chapter and mm-hmm. you move on. And I very much appreciate that Kelly was receptive to that and didn't immediately get defensive because we know Colin's a sore spot for Kelly. Mm-hmm. But I think just with everything that's happened and going to therapy and all of that has probably helped her get to a better place where now she legitimately just wants closure. Yeah, and I I can appreciate that, and I can appreciate that Donna says the same thing of, like, yeah, you should call and say goodbye, and, like, it should really be goodbye. For sure, for sure. And then Kelly does try and call, and Val picks up the phone and tells Colin who's on the phone, and he won't talk to her. He won't take the call. He gets scared, I guess. I... Yeah, I mean, I, a million things are running through his head. I couldn't even begin to guess sure. what that's going on. Because the next time we see them is the next morning when it's time to go, and Val's taking him to, like, turn himself in, surrender himself. I don't exactly know, like, how all this works how necessarily. Works, yeah. But it's the beginning of the thing because Val gives Colin her keys so he can drive himself. Just, like, you know – in her mind, it's a last moment of freedom. He gets to drive the car one last time. It's a real nice car, et cetera, et cetera. I'm thinking, like, girl, he is going to push you out and go. <laughs> yeah. Like, first oh, did to I park kn- in a no parking zone. <laughs> so, yeah, he pulls up and he's like, yeah, I'll go park the car. You just go in and find my lawyer. I literally wrote in all caps. I was like, he's going to run. Like, mm-hmm. don't get out of that car, Val. Be like, no, I want to spend every last second with you. We'll go park the car together. Exactly. Yeah, like we can walk hand in hand, arm in arm into this police station together. And so as Colin is like going to go, quote unquote, park, park the car, he drives by the like prison transport bus, presumably one that either is going to take him or just maybe they got a bunch of prisoners in lockup they need to take. Unclear. But he sees all these prisoners like chained up you know not just like at the hands but like at the feet and like the bigger chains things mm-hmm. like that and he just like freaks out and speeds off so now he has evaded his prison sentence and committed grand theft auto yeah and did you notice her car is still keyed yes i did i, I don't think i noticed it here i noticed it later 
I don't remember if you see it again. You Maybe must have noticed it here. It here. Oh, yeah, that's what it was. It wasn't initially when they first parked, but it was then when he like was when dr- he pulls like, up to the off. bus. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and thankfully, they get Cal- Val's car back, but no Colin. And I think it's very interesting. You know, they're asking Val all these questions. I always feel so bad for her in these moments because, like, it's not her. She's not his keeper. She shouldn't have to know how much cash is in his pockets. Yeah. But, you know, whoever this guy is at the jail basically says, like, okay, if he comes back within 24 hours and surrenders himself, you know, we'll close it off. Like, people get cold feet. They try and fly. They get scared. They come back. Whatever. He's gone for more than 24 hours, and you're going to be in serious trouble because the Bales bondsman is there, and he wants his money. Which, fair. Mm-hmm. That's how that works. I just think it's so interesting. They all turned this, like, 20-something girl and are like, mm-hmm. you got to find him. I know. Not like, you're at a police station, go send a police officer after him. Yeah. And it's so stupid because the first place he goes is his ex-girlfriend's apartment. Exactly. Like, I got to be honest, I'm surprised Kelly didn't see, like, Valerie's car. Like, I guess he dumped it because didn't they say they already found the car or whatever? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like he's just lurking in the shadows, like, scares the bejesus out of her. And, yeah, she doesn't want him to come in. She's like, no, you stay here. And he's all like, I just really need a friend. And she's like... Dude, I don't love you like that anymore, so I got to go. <laughs> I I got to be honest. Like, I am not into this look for Kelly where she's like, I don't know what it is. Like, I think Mary said, like, that sounds like a you problem, but yeah. I'm not going to tell anybody you were here. Like, yeah. you are knowingly screwing someone else out of $100,000. She's going to be screwed for the rest of her life, and you're not even mad at Colin anymore. Like – you're also going to lose your friends. Like, they might not like Val, but this is a huge step. Well, and yeah, like, I think it totally would have been fine if for Kelly to say, no, I don't want you to come in. No, I'm not into you anymore. You got to solve this on your own. You got you made your bed. You got to lie in it. But mm-hmm. the fact, yeah, that she's like, don't worry. I'm not going to tell anyone you're here. Like, he's not a fugitive. Yeah. That even, even if she wasn't being diabolical and thinking about Valerie in this situation, even if it was just that... No. And then she goes to her mom the next morning and is like, Colin stopped by and I didn't even care. Yeah, which great, growth, wonderful. We're so glad you're over him and not thinking of spiraling. But like also like Jackie should have been like, girl, he was supposed to be in jail. Like you might need to call the police station. No, but no, Jackie's like, I'm proud of you, Kelly. Right, which like same, but also like a semicolon. <laughs> I'm proud of you and at the same time, incredibly disappointed in you because you <laughs> broke the law. Yes, like let's get that phone out right now. Let's dial, I got three numbers for you. Do a nine and then do a one and then do another one and then just hold on the line. You know what? I'll even dial it for you. Yeah, sure. Here you go. Like, it's all done. <laughs> easy. You want to gossip? You want to talk about him? I'll get the phone. Exactly. Which is leaving Valerie to just, like, go back home because what else can she do and commiserate with Brandon talking about, you know, like, whose night was worse. And, of course, she wins, right? Like, she's very much like, well, I'm about to lose $100,000 and, you know, my boyfriend is in go- is has fled. Yeah, I know. Brandon was like, I lost $5,000. And Val goes, I lost 100000 And Brandon just, you win. Yeah. Immediately. I can't beat he that. concedes. 
And yeah, so she goes to see Kelly to ask for her help. And I was so ready for a Kelly Val, I hate you, but we have to work together team up. Yes. So ready. And then it blows up in like the viewer's face because Kelly immediately lies to her and is like, no, I haven't seen Colin. He hasn't come by here. He hasn't come to visit. I love Val's response to that is like, did he come by to tell you that he still loved you? And Kelly just goes, I don't have to answer that. And she's like, why are you getting so defensive? Like, whoa. (laughs) Right? Like, that's not a no, Kelly. Yeah. I do love, like, okay, so I had so many thoughts running through my head in this one, like, three and a half minute scene of how how much pride did Val have to swallow in order to come to the beach apartment and confront Kelly in the first place? They literally Mm -hmm. hate each other. So much. She has to think, like, I'm running out of resources, and the police and the bail bondsmen and the lawyers are putting it on me to find him. So I have to talk to you. So the fact that she does that, like, that was, like, number one thought. Second, the fact that Kelly was immediately on edge, obviously, like I said, they hate each other. But Mm -hmm. why lie if, like we've talked about, if not to be diabolical and to screw Valerie at her own game I assume that's the thing like you know Val's done some stuff before I'm never gonna you know excuse her behavior I think you know the thing that it's always been is that Kelly will call her out on her shit and like you know literally walk up to her at a party and say you bitch and then walk away (laughs) but Kelly (laughs) Kelly has never I don't think escalated to this point where she's like I hope you lose everything Yeah, and I think, too, like, the fact that Valerie also reads Kelly insanely well by calling her out and being like, why are you so defensive all of a sudden? And, like, knows that Kelly knows something, and Kelly still just doubles down. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just so, I mean, it kind of started back a couple of, or, yeah, a couple episodes ago, or last episode. Anyway, whenever Kelly and Tara were talking about how much she hates Val, and was like, Mm -hmm. I hope she dies or something, but, like, she didn't say that Tara did, but now you're like, hang on. Like, this hatred well, might go far farther than we thought. But Kelly did say she wanted to kill her back when they were in rehab. She was like, oh, I just want to kill her, which yeah. was a huge escalation. And then That's right. This kind of reminds me at the beginning of the season when Kelly's just like, oh, God, what did she say? Where it was like a new Kelly and she wasn't going to take anybody's shit anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I feel like this is a just a really – bad look for Kelly and I'm not entirely sure I saw this level of mean coming yeah and I don't know I'm sure I'm reading into it because I don't want my characters to be like this but it looked like she kind of like felt some feelings about what she did when she shut that door well yeah because I think you know it was a it was classic Jenny Garth and Tiffany Thiessen you know one-liner banters back and forth and Val ends it with saying like I, this was a mistake coming here and Kelly just goes well then don't make the same mistake twice and you know shuts the door but yeah you're right it lingers on Kelly's face and you almost see the like what did I do like yeah it's almost like she blacked out for a second and came back and was like holy shit like she almost didn't like yeah again I agree with you Kelly's always been one of my favorites so I don't want to think that she's becoming a villain even though I love villains I don't like I don't like seeing a good person become a villain. Well, and I don't think this is a good villain story. Correct. Yeah. This is just 
Kelly being a bitch. Yeah. Because she feels like she's been slighted. And to be fair, Val has been doing some slighting, but this is like, I don't know, this is just like an escalation to 100 and literally $100,000. Like Val will lose everything. And she doesn't have a support system like Kelly does with right. Jackie and David and a modeling career and all this stuff. Like, well, I think I that's the know. biggest thing too. Like, like, I think you just hit the nail on the head with it. It's like put the lawyers, the cops, the bail bondsmen putting all this on a 21 year old girl who does not have a support system. She has kind of isolated herself to a degree from the friends outside of like the ginger stuff and all that. Like, like take that out of it because I think there's been enough time to where nobody really cares about that anymore. But by being with Colin, she Mm -hmm. isolated herself away from everyone else. Then on top of that, yeah, she has no real family. Brandon is really her only quote unquote family. Mm Mm-hmm. And she doesn't have anybody to help her. So that's why I mentioned, like, the fact that she even came to Kelly to ask for help was kind of big of her. It was huge. And, like, I don't know. There's this tiny part of me that hopes that next episode they're just going to be like, okay, fine. It's to get Colin back and to, like, save him. And then I'm going to go right back to hating you. Mostly because that's what I want in my life. I would like to see that. I know it's unrealistic. I don't care. And I don't mind them hating each other like you don't have to like every Mm -mm. single person that comes into your life right like but I do think it's interesting that they still maintain the same friend group so Mm -hmm. yeah I I think it just bothers me of like the malicious intent behind Mm -hmm. the behavior that they both have against each other when you're in the same friend group totally agree (sighs) but yeah I mean I have to assume that that is the story that we will be following up with next episode on top of everybody breaking up yeah. <laughs> it's going to happen. I can see it all on the wall. Ugh. We shall see. Court of the week? Oh, boy. Did I have one? <laughs> I, guess I don't know. Did you? <laughs> um, that was like a, did I ever, or did I have one? Mm-hmm. I, I mean... Did I write any quotes? I feel like, okay, so the only two quotes I wrote okay, yeah, uh, were Brandon going, I'm not drifting, I'm rafting. And then I'm the square root of one. What can I tell you? Mary, do you have any? Um, I have Donna saying, jail, that's scary. <laughs> Is that it? Yes. <laughs> awesome um yeah like I I wrote down like three quotes and I gotta go with I'm not drifting I'm rafting because it's just goofy Brandon and we love goofy Brandon love goofy Brandon what about you Mary so like nothing really jumped out at me that much until um Brandon and Val sitting down and having their little I had a worse day than you. I was like, I miss twin talk. Oh, I miss twin talk too. Same. So that's it for the nostalgia. I love that. I I like that that. a lot. I guess the title of the episode, Ticket to Ride, either refers to Colin running or the lottery ticket or both. 
Yeah. I'm I'm leaning more towards a lottery ticket. My yeah. my first note was, oh, like a lottery ticket. <laughs> <laughs> like Love it. I'm on genius.com and it says the lyrics describe a girl who is leaving despite the chance to be with a beetle. A a beetle? Like 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 one of the beetles? Yeah, like Paul McCartney wants to bang her, and she said, no, I have to catch a train. <laughs> That's awesome. It's better when you explain it. <laughs> like, I don't know why she's riding so high. She ought to think twice. She ought to do right by me before she gets to say goodbye. She ought to think twice. She ought to do right by me. Are the Beatles creepy? <laughs> that certainly sounded creepy. I'm sorry, sir. Why does she owe you anything? Right? I'm pretty sure more than one of them has some fucked up shit they did. Oh, I'm positive. I mean, John Lennon is an abuser. So Yeah. Anyway, what's next week's episode? Can't wait to hear what you guys think of this title. Can't wait to get it wrong. (laughs) Well, as I mentioned last week, we were barreling towards the season finale and... This is the penultimate episode of season six because uh, the finale is a two-parter. So next week we have season six, episode 30, Ray of Hope. I mean, if Ray comes back, I quit. (laughs) So I was trying to think because I know Ray had a music career and they kept saying MZA. And I was like, that can't be who Ray was talking to last season. But you're going to talk about the music world and not bring Ray back? (laughs) I mean, they did Jamie dirty by not ever letting him play music on the show except that one time. So is the next episode on streaming or is it on the DVDs? Ooh, good question. Because if he's coming back and he doesn't sing. It's on streaming. (laughs) Oh. So... Maybe that's a clue, though. Maybe that means he's not coming back. No, he's coming back and he's not singing. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I guess I guess we'll find out for sure next week. And until then, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Back2Podcast. Or hit us up by emailing us any of your thoughts, questions, comments, or concerns at Back2Podcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to go into your podcast app and rate, review, subscribe, share it with all your friends and family. All that stuff really helps us get seen and build a community and, you know, give you all a better product. So if you leave us a review in Apple Podcasts, we'll give you a shout on the show because we really appreciate you. And until next week, from all of us at Back to Podcast, it's going to take a lot more than a necklace for me to forgive you for putting spiders in my sandwich. I just really love 24 karat gumdrop cufflinks. Will you please go find my lawyer? I need to park my car. Bye. Bye. See ya.